Joshua 14. Now these are the inheritances which the children of Israel took in the land of Canaan, which Eleazar the priest, Joshua the son of Nun, and the heads of the fathers' houses of the tribes of the children of Israel distributed to them by the lot of their inheritance, as Yahweh commanded by Moses, for the nine tribes and for the half-tribe. For Moses had given the inheritance of the two tribes and the half-tribe beyond the Jordan, but to the Levites he gave no inheritance among them. For the children of Joseph were two tribes, Manasseh and Ephraim. They gave no portion to the Levites in the land except cities to dwell in, with their pasture lands for their livestock and for their property. The children of Israel did as Yahweh commanded Moses, and they divided the land. Then the children of Judah came near to Joshua in Gilgal. Caleb the son of Jephunneh the Kenesite said to him, You know the thing that Yahweh spoke to Moses, the man of God, concerning me and concerning you in Kadesh Barnea. I was forty years old when Moses, the servant of Yahweh, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. I brought him word again as it was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brothers who went up with me made the heart of the people melt. But I wholly followed Yahweh my God. Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land where you walked shall be an inheritance to you and to your children forever, because you have wholly followed Yahweh my God. Now behold, Yahweh has kept me alive, as he spoke, these forty-five years from the time that Yahweh spoke this word to Moses, while Israel walked in the wilderness, and now behold, I am eighty-five years old today. As yet I am strong today, as I was in the day that Moses sent me. As my strength was then, even so is my strength now for war, to go out and to come in. Now therefore, give me this hill country, of which Yahweh spoke in that day. For you heard in that day how the Anakim were, and great and fortified cities. It may be that Yahweh will be with me, and I shall drive them out, as Yahweh said. So Joshua blessed him, and he gave Hebron to Caleb the son of Jephunneh for an inheritance. Therefore Hebron, Hebron became the inheritance of Caleb the son of Jephunneh the Kenizzite to this day, because he followed Yahweh, the children of Israel wholeheartedly, the God of Israel wholeheartedly. Now the name of Hebron before was Kiriath Arba, after the greatest man among the Anakim, then the land had rest from the war. In the last chapter, we started talking about the dividing of the inheritance, and that, that's the process we're in now. In the last chapter, we talked about the land that was given to the two and a half tribes on the east side of the Jordan, and now in this chapter, we're starting to discuss the dividing of the land with all the other tribes on the west side of the Jordan. And we're really gonna get into it from the next chapter on. But here, there's this one little chapter where Caleb, who's from the tribe of Judah, he specifically asked for his inheritance and he's given a city for his inheritance. So there's this kind of like unique exception where one man kind of gets a special thing. Now, you can't think of anyone more better, you know, more special or better than Caleb to have this. Caleb was one of the two spies that went in, you know, way, way back in the book of Numbers. He went into the land with, there was 12 of them. Two of them came back saying positive things and the other 10 um, caused everyone to be afraid. And the two were Joshua, which the book is named after, and this guy, Caleb. And um, so we've got 
you know, a man who the Lord gave a promise to and now the Lord has rewarded him. And there's a truth in that. When you or I are people of faith, there may be people all around us who are weak, people all around us who don't trust the Lord and sometimes we're them too. But the truth is that, you know, we can sometimes wobble and have weak knees, but we come back to the Lord and say, Lord, I want to trust you. I'm going to do things your way. I'm going to cling to your promise. Yes, there might be giants in the land. There might be problems that are so great. We don't know how to get past them, but Lord, I trust you. That's a bit of Caleb mentality right there. And you know, the Lord gives all his people inheritance, but, but we saw that Caleb got a special inheritance. And the Lord has a special inheritance for those who trust him. And way, way in the New Testament, in Hebrews chapter 11, it says, you know, without faith, it's impossible to please God. But I tell you what, with faith, you really do please the Lord, just like Caleb, just like you too. And so but there's an interesting little thing here that I just want to explore for a minute. Caleb said, he said, when, when you're talking to Joshua, he said, remember when we were at Kadesh Barnea, we were 40 years of age and the Lord sent us to spy the land. And he said, now I'm here at the age of 85. So the spying of the land happened um, just trying to get our, just trying to get my uh, figures correct. When he was forty, and he's now eighty-five. So the spying of the land happened forty-five years earlier. So based on that, most people would jump to the quick conclusion that oh, they um they must have been conquering the land for five years. Most people assume that. He was 40 years old when they left Egypt, but no, that's when they were spying out the land. And now the spying out of the land did not happen in the first year after they left Egypt. You'll remember when we were in the book of Numbers that there was a whole year before they sent those spies out. You think from Sunday school stories that happened almost instantly, but it doesn't. There's this whole process of setting up the tabernacle, getting the law, and all of that goes on for more than a year I think it's a year and a month, something like that, before the spies go up. So when um, Caleb left Egypt, he was either 39 or 38 at the time that that happened. So by the time they get to the promised land 40 years later, the battle for the promised land, the, con the conquest of Canaan, isn't five years. It's more than six. It's probably seven years because he may have been 85 for a number of months. He may have been 85 for 11 months at this point that he said this. Most of the Bible experts look at this and they say, all right, looks like the conquest of Canaan was seven years in length. And that's a symbolic number too. That's the Lord's number and a sign of the Lord's victory. So this gives you a real sense that this wasn't quick. Like when you read the book of Joshua, it feels quick. They defeated Jericho. Bang, and, th and they did it in just seven days, a week. They defeated I, and you get the feeling like that was just the next week, but it may not have been the next week. There may have been a gap. And then you get a feeling like all these things happen one after another, but, but we've got a few clues. And one of them is when they defeated the Northern Alliance, and there was a list of the kings, it says that they battled the kings a long time. And here we've got worked out from Caleb that this was a seven year process. So this was a major effort. And um, I think the really obvious lesson to learn here is sometimes when you want to defeat strongholds in your life, it, it's a major effort. It's 
On the one hand, you can't do it on your own. If anyone tries to defeat the enemy on their own, if anyone thinks it's all willpower only, you will fail for sure. You cannot overcome the evil one through human effort and willpower. But on the other hand, if you think it's just lay back and have a drink and let the Lord just give it to you, it's not that either. It's grace and it's work at the same time. And that's how it is spiritually, at least while we're in the world. Everything we receive comes through faith and grace, but at the same time, it, there's effort involved. And some people have really struggled with this whole balancing between works and grace. No, the truth is it's all grace, but we work at the same time. It's always been like that. You think of Jesus Christ going to the cross, hard effort for him and all grace. He couldn't have done it without the Lord's help because he is the Lord. You think about your, 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 your life following Christ. Um, everything you do requires work. You know, it's an effort to go to church. It's an effort to be a prayerful person. And yet what grace that flows to you because you're a person like this. But if, but if you decide to say, oh, I can do this on my own, and your attitude is that I'm doing this, now you can't do it. It's both of those things all at the same time. So our eyes should always be on the Lord. We're always looking to him for grace. We're always looking to him to help us. And like Caleb, we have faith. We have faith to believe that we can go in and we can take our inheritance and we can defeat the giants. We can if we do it with the Lord and we have grace. But we'll have to work while that's happening. It's just how it is. <laughs> Lord, I thank you that we have a faith and we've been given grace. But Lord, at the same time that I say that, I say, Lord, strengthen our hands. Lord, you're the one that said, let the weak say, I am strong. Let the poor say, I am rich. Lord, without you, we are weak. Lord, without you, Lord, we are poor. But Lord, may we be strong because of you and may we be rich because of you. And I pray that we would overcome temptation and we would walk in righteousness because of Christ. Thank you, Lord, for these things. May we have the heart of Caleb in us, I pray today. In Jesus' name, amen.